Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Blood Red Liverpool podcast. I'm James Pearce, the Echoes Liverpool correspondent. I'm delighted to be joined today by former Liverpool goalkeeper Tony Warner. Tony, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. And Tony Warner, Indian Super League winner. Um, understand you only got back in the country yesterday, Tony. Was it six months away? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, it landed yesterday about, I don't know, about midday. But it was, yeah, it was a bit of a long stint away, you know. Didn't really kind of ever see myself going to India. But the opportunity came around and um, we, yeah, we did, we won the league. Um, coaching out there, it was, it was a real, it was a really good experience. It was a lot better than I thought it'd be. And um, yeah, to go over there, you know, there, there, are, there have been some big names out there that have gone out there. You know, it, it, it's a fledgling league, you know, it is just yeah. kind of in its infancy and stuff. But uh, look, if you're going to be out there, you might as well win it. And we did, so it was, a, it was it was a successful season. And of course, you were working with John Gregory, he was the, the manager of, of Chennai and FC. Um, obviously, he's a name that people will know from quite a long way back in terms of his his time with Aston Villa. How, how, what, what's your links with John Gregory? I didn't have any to finish yet. I, I just got a, I just got a text off on Monday, right out the blue, and I thought to myself, you know, I actually thought it was a wind up to start with. <laughs> um, so I managed to speak to him. And he just said, you know, would you be interested? And, and I just thought, yeah, yeah, it, it's something, I, something I'd, I'd like to do. Um, so within, you know, kind of spoke to the, the people about sort of contracts and stuff. And it's probably within, I don't know, about three or four days, I, I found myself flying to Thailand. We had our, our pre-season in Thailand. So I was out there for a couple of weeks. I had to fly back to sort of ease it out. Um, and then I was home for probably another couple of weeks. It dragged on slightly. Then managed to get back out to, to Chennai for just, just before the first game of the season. So it was a, it was a pretty unusual um, introduction, yeah. you know. So, but you know that, that's how football is. Had you been to India before? No. Was it was it a culture shock in terms of adjusted off the pitch? What was it like? Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, we were in a, we were in a, like a five star Hyatt hotel. So that in itself was, you know, you, you, you kind of, you know, the, the food was great, didn't have any issues with that. Yeah. You know, the hotel itself was fine, everything, you know, everything, you know, that you'd expect. But you would you would go outside the hotel. There was there was a lad there, there was like a, a sports science lad there, um, a lad from down in Surrey. I mean, him would kind of go up and about. And um, you go walking around and that, and you just see just so many unusual things. And like, the, when, when you're outside the hotel and you know, the kind of the... First class kind of environment, um, yeah. It was a bit of a culture shock. You would see, you would see some, you see some really amazing things. When I say, like, you know, I'm not. It's it's not, it's not an, um, a, a downturn or nothing. It no. was just very different. You know, you, the the people were fantastic. Um, the, the 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 like, it was a beautiful country. It was absolutely superb. You know, you would see some, you know, some terrible poverty though as well, which was a little bit kind of um, a little bit. Took a little bit of getting used to, yeah. Um, just kind of, just all kind of things. Just people just literally lying on the street, people just stepping over them. Like there would be, say, a, a BMW garage which was across the road. You know, be selling whatever cars, you know, fantastic cars and stuff. But then it'd just be people, just like families, lying outside. Yeah. The, just a massive gulf between huge, the, yeah. the rich and the poor. And yeah, yeah. That 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 that's the that's the probably the most evident thing in in in, in India. You know, they got some of the richest people in the world, but obviously some of the poorest as well. And there's that big massive gulf there. Um, but like like a lot of Indians have said to us over the past like five or six months that we've there, it's an um, India's work in progress. That's what what they always seem to say. Yeah. What was the standard of football life over there? It, it was interesting because what you would have is you would have. Um, um, foreign guys like non-Indian guys do you allowed five on the pitch at any given time 
um, and then you'd have to have in six Indian players on, yeah. on the pitch. Um, and then the, the the thing that I found early on in pre-season when we went to Thailand, um, there was like there was like Inigo Calderon used to play for Brighton. Mm. Um, so you know that, that that was the one that was the one person I recognised in our team. Um, nobody else really. But we had you know we had a couple of Brazilian lads. And then um, the captain was from Portugal. There was a Nigerian lad, a lad from Slovenia, um, um, a Dutch guy as well. And in pre-season, what 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 I found was, or what was noted, was that the Indian lads would just give it to the to the foreigners, no, no matter what position they were in, they could have two on them. The Indian lads would kind of give it to them, and that's something that John Gregory kind of really turned around quite quickly. Says, you know, you've got to take responsibility. For yeah. You. you know, you you are you are a, a cog in the machine. Um, you know, it's not five cogs and, and six also runs. Um, you know, it's it, it's a it, it's a team, and and I think that's where we got it really right as 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 a team. Um, so the Indian lads we had, we, 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 they, were, they were fantastic. Like you know, for instance, we had an Indian goalkeeper, so that allowed us to have three, um, like foreign um, defenders. Well, well, yeah, foreign experienced defenders, which kept it quite solid at the back. Yeah. Um, well, like you know, a really good playmaker in midfield, a Brazilian guy, um, and then that would allow us one more other foreigner, as and where the manager would, would, would want him. Um, but yeah, the standards, you know, I'd, I'd probably you'd see some unusual things. That's probably what I'd say. You'd see some passes where there's just nobody there, <laughs> and you're like, 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 what's he seeing there? Do you know what I mean? But what it is is, it's just a lack of exposure yeah. to to the football that we're maybe used to, um, and that's what the league is trying to do. You know, it, it's a fledgling league. Like I said, it's only been going I think five years or so now. So you know, in ten years' time, that probably won't be the case with the amount of people um, and, and quality that the, the time is in with the with the players and with the managers as well. Um so you know it's not gonna happen overnight. Like I said, India is a work in progress and a lot of things and that includes the football as well. If if I was planning I was, I was trying to match us up against the um a league, I'd probably say Div two. I I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd probably say that, you know. Um but the the, the thing is the thing is that that I'd find is just sometimes you would find certain things would just kind of fall down in, in certain areas of the pitch uh, which would really surprise you. But you know um, we kind of got our house in order quite quickly, and um, you know we were always there or there about. We were always quite strong. What kind of crowds were you getting in? Um, for, for I mean, like, I think our stadium held probably. We, we had like a big. A lot of the stadiums were quite big, you know. We had an. Um, we had the stadium. I mean, like there was no. There, there wasn't one purpose-built football stadium in India. Yeah. Everything's either um, like a like a like a, a cricket ground. Mm. Um, or like a ground which has got an athletic sack around it, um, so you know they they were all kind of fairly fairly substantial size. I think our, our stadium will have held about thirty five forty thousand. We'd probably get maybe twelve, mm. um, twelve thousand. Um, so you know they 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 were the, they were the they were the crowd you get. I mean that Kerala, who um, David James is the manager of now, they're probably the, the the most well supported team in in um, in India. I think you know they they could be getting like twenty five thirty thousand. So you know it, it was a fairly decent, fairly decent crowd when you'd be playing them. Yeah, and obviously you won the the final on the weekend against Bengaluru three mm-hmm. two. Was there a bit of a celebration after that? Yeah, there was. There was. It was an um, it was interesting because because the, the format of the league is there's ten teams. You know there's no there's no relegation whatever. But the top four go into a semi final. So even if you even if you if you win the league by twenty points. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. You still got to go through this kind of semi-final format. And Bengaluru won the league. We finished second. They they won it by a cancer really. I think they won it by about six or seven points. Um, so they they beat the fourteen place over a two 
you know, over two legs and we beat the third team um, um, play, third place team over two legs but it was strange that the, the, the game apparently was, was, was supposed to be a kettle the final but let, at the last minute they changed it to Bengaluru's ground so they changed it to their home ground oh, okay, well. it and you know it, it's a little bit sketchy on things like that the Indian <laughs> League do you know what I mean things can kind of just appear <laughs> like yeah. can just somebody can just make a decision um, and that was that but, but what happened was we, um, we beat them on their home ground so we had no issues with that. We, you know, John Gregory was kind of, he, he was, a, he had the mindset of just don't let anything bother you. Just don't let the little things bother you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's about, it's about ninety minutes, eleven v eleven on on a grass pitch with two goals and a ball. Um, so we had no issues going there. And he actually said, you know, it, 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 we actually maybe we were. He, he brought out the staff that a lot of the teams done better away from home in throughout the league. So he said we got no problem going there. So we went in, we went one 0 down, and then uh, we managed to get it get it back to 3-1 and they scored a second like late on in the game but you know we were hanging on for maybe five minutes or so yeah. so you know it, it wasn't exactly panic stations but yeah it was a fantastic celebration it was great you know it was you know, all, all the management kind of staff was, was speaking you know we, we've kind of come over here none of us have been here before come over here kind of won the league against people that had, you know had been you know, maybe established over there so yeah it, it was good it was a good feather in our, in our cap how much interest is there there in the Premier League and in Liverpool in particular? Is it is it growing in popularity? Oh yeah, it's massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, they have like kind of a Premier League show on, um, and I think it's um, DJ Spoony, oh, yeah, who yeah, yeah. is a Liverpool fan. Yeah, he is. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and he, he hosts. I think it's like a bit of an Asian one actually. I don't know if it's Indian specifically, um, but that that was on a lot. Yeah, there's you know there's a lot of coverage over it over there um, with with um, with Premier League football. Yeah, it's very big. Because obviously it's probably one of the few places in Asia that Liverpool haven't gone to to play yet. Do you, do you, from what your experience, would you say that's kind of like a real growth area? Because we're, we're talking about India being like an, you know an up and coming economy, and yeah. it sounds like because obviously you think of India and you just think of cricket, don't you? In terms of the, the passion for sport, yeah, and, and that is still pretty much the case. I mean, like you know, football is growing over there, but cricket is massive. It's yeah. huge. I mean. You see kids just in like in like waste ground playing cricket with sticks and yeah. like you know rubber balls and all kinds. It is everywhere, um, but yeah, it is it is definitely um, a, a growth area. And you know, there's 1.3 billion people there. They've got the grounds to to you know support um, you know good football. You know, if Liverpool looking to go over there, they could be very well accommodated in any number of stadiums there. Yeah, um, you know, if they want to kind of get out there and you know um, um, publicise themselves. Um, yeah, I, I, I would advise you yeah, because if you haven't been there before, yeah, it, it's maybe a market that they'd like to um, um, exploit. Just going back to the, the start of your career, where, where, what part of Liverpool did you grow up in? Chilwell, by, Chilwell yeah. yeah, right by the fireways, yeah. And, and how old were you when you first got involved at, at, at Liverpool? I was eighteen. Yeah, I, so I, quite late then, really. It was really? very late. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I was playing. I was in school. I was playing Sunday league football, um, like under eighteens. And then I, I left school and I went into working in accountancy. And I was playing open age Sunday um, football in Sefton Park. Right. So it was like just a Liverpool and district level, do you know what I mean? So I was playing there. And then just, just one day on the off chance, I was off work and Steve Highway phoned me up. And he just said, Look, you know, there's, a, there's an opportunity, there's a, a goalkeeper that's left, really. And basically, they needed to kind of um, fill in for him. And he said, I'd spoke to Tony Brookman, the, the Merseyside manager, and he put your name forward. We've got a game tomorrow. Would you be interested in playing? So, yeah, of course, I went down and played. And then he just said, look, could you come and play for us on a Saturday? 
um, and it was the B team as as it stood then. Mm. Um, you'd have like the first team, the reserves. You'd have the A team and then the B team. So I went in the B team um, and I played the whole season. We won the league, so that that was great. I used to train t- Tuesdays and Thursday nights after work. Um, and like I wasn't doing anything else on a Saturday. You know, you go into Liverpool, you get like ex- expensive, throw you a few pairs of gloves and, and, yeah. and boots, and, and it was great. You know, you, you're playing, you're playing for Liverpool. It, it was fantastic. I, I loved it. So I've done a whole season of that. And then uh, the following season, continued, stepped up to the A team, and then um, after, like, well, it was you know, the season starts, whatever, like August time, but it was just before Christmas, they offered me a full time deal. So I, I kind of done like eighteen months of kind of slapping around a little bit, um, but it was worth it in the end. You know, it was life changing really. Yeah, and obviously, you would have become what reserve team goalie around the same time as what Roy Evans. Roy Evans was coming in as manager. Was it kind of like ninety four? Yeah, like yeah, pretty much because. Um, I got signed on by Shuness as as a pro, and that was in January, and I think he, he left in maybe the February. I yeah. think so. Then Roy Evans got the job then. So yeah, I I um, probably started playing reserves maybe, maybe a year or so after that, um, and then you know kind of swapping around between like other keepers coming, Michael Stenzel coming for a little spell and stuff. Um, but then when he got injured, like established himself as the number two behind Jamo. Yeah. I always interested with when you're working with other goalies, obviously. Yeah. You were David James's understudy for a long time. Was yeah. were you mates or were you rivals or how did that dynamic work? We, yeah, we were mates. I got on with Jamal really, really well. I mean, I think the I think the dynamic of it was. Funny enough, I was told to talk about this this morning. I think the dynamic was at that point. I remember David James. He made his debut for England, and I think it was against Mexico. So that might have been around about ninety five or ninety six. Mm. Now I'd kind of come from Sunday League football. So the, the the competition probably wasn't there on JMO, even being totally honest with you. Um, you know, you obviously try your best, you haven't got the you haven't I haven't been I haven't been exposed to that kind of um first team football for a long time. So I think I think JMO was probably happy with the situation. Do you know what I mean? It's sometimes tough when you got number two like um breathing down your neck. Yeah. Um but look, the dynamic of it was that that's just the way it was. You know, me and Jamo got on really well. Um you know, we, we were in a we were in you know in, in an half decent team. Um, you know, actually probably unfair to that we were in a very decent team. I, I just feel like that um, we just weren't quite as good as them down the road at that at that time. They were just kind of they they were pushing on to to slightly another level. I found, I think we all found. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, um, for, for for me and JMO, yeah, we we were quite close. It, it was a good relationship. You're on the bench 121 times, I think it was. Yeah. The uh, what was it? Was there was there any one particular time when you you were close to coming on and you thought this is this is finally it? I'm going to get the debut. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple. I think I think the first one it was against Sheffield Wednesday and Jamal got clattered, um, and they kind of half wheeled him in at half time. You were kind of dealing with his legs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then he, he he continued on in that game. And then another time I remember was at Anfield. It was against Man United. And um, he, he, he'd been, I think he'd been clattered in some kind of. He must. He made a save, um, but he was. He'd been clattered in the six-yard box. I remember Man United had a corner, and I remember Ryan Giggs standing on the corner waiting to take the corner while Jamie was getting seated, and I was running up and down the line. I thought to myself, "This could be an accident." <laughs> and the first thing you got to face, first thing you got to face is, is a Ryan Giggs corner yeah. um, on his left peg and in swinger, and he's going to just rip it right on top of you. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you know, you're excited. You think, yeah, this could be it. But anyway, you know, Jamal got patched up and it wasn't to be. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, um, so I put down the bench and there you go. <laughs> and there, you, you were there obviously throughout 
the Roy Evans years. Um, only won the League Cup in, in '95. Mm. He came close to winning the league, fell short, lost the FA Cup final to United. That period has almost you know, become known as one of underachievement. Into you know the Spice Boys yeah. tag and all the rest of it. The feeling was that, or the perception is that the that players were allowed to get away with too much. There was a, a lack of discipline. Is that fair or, or, or not? No, I mean, no, I, I, I don't think that's fair. I mean, you know, the, the, the lads, they, they were, you, have, you had a very good team. Yeah. I mean, they, they were very good players. Players will kind of go out and about, you know, they, they've, you know, they, they, they do it, in, they do it in, in, in every kind of team. It's probably now, more so now, that, you know, over maybe the last, say, 10 years, probably at the, t- at the top level, maybe a little bit further on, that, you know, the, um, you know, you get, get a, people got kind of camera phones, everything. People just can't get away with maybe what they used to, as yeah. opposed to you know, like, um, like back in like you know late nineties where you know people would maybe go out for a drink on a Saturday night. Um, but everybody else was doing it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just that made... more's made of it just because people when you don't win a trophy, people look for yeah. reasons why, yeah. and then exactly. I take it United's players were going out on a Saturday night. Of course, <laughs> they were. Yeah, they, they were like you know, Ferguson was kind of dragging, dragging like Lee Sharp in and stuff yeah. parties and all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, like Man United were having parties in the house and and all, all kinds just going on. Um, you know, and, and then you have like you have like the kind of the white suits, which is a bit of a, a kind of a beacon for again like hundred achievements. Um, I mean, if we the if we the won that cup, you know, it, it, it was you know it was, it was a dire game. But if we if we the won the FA Cup, you know, you'd be you'd be kind of having a different perception of it. And you know, they had to find margins in football. Yeah. You know, it's kind of you know it can be like one tackle or one one um, run that hasn't been, hasn't been um, tracked or whatever. Um, but you know, it, it was what it was. Um, but like I said, you know, I think it's probably fair to say that um, I think at that point, just United was just a bit better. Yeah, they were they, they just had their house in order a bit more, and you know, history just proves that that, that they were. And you know, sometimes you you, you can't um, sometimes you, you can't overturn things like that. Who who was the most gifted teammate of yours in that Liverpool squad? Who was the who was the one that would, would make you look silly in training? Um, Fowler. Yeah. Yeah, Robbie Fowler. He was just, he was, you know, he, he, he was quick. He, basically, the thing that I found with, with Fowler was, if he was anywhere around the area, in any position around the area, he was he was capable of scoring goals. Yeah. Like left foot, right foot, he could be like on a tight angle on a dead ball line. He had the capability to like whip it high and around it into the far back post. He had power. He had pace. He, you know, he was good with his head. He was, you know, his skills. He was cute. Um, yeah, Fowler had pretty much everything, and and there's one thing which which I kind of since leaving Liverpool, and you know you have these conversations with actually, actually with footballers and like top level footballers as well. There's sometimes debates I think when people talk about footy players, and I, I can't even think of any top yet. But people go, oh, I don't think he was that good, and yeah, he yeah. was great, and there's the debates. But every time you mention Robbie Fowler, everyone just goes, Oof, yeah, yeah, he was like anyone you speak to, they just say. Yeah, Fowler was like mustard. You know what I mean? He was, yeah. He was, yeah, he, you know, he, he was he was just a top goal scorer, and at that time, he, he was just absolutely on fire. Um, and like like I said, just just the things that I mentioned before, he had the capability to do it um, from anywhere. Really, he had the like the power, like them, like them balls. Like I think it was the first time when I kind of come into into Liverpool was where they had like them kind of knuckle balls, the wobble balls. Yeah. The first time I seen him was off him and um, Jan Mulby. They just dipped them so sweetly and so hard. I remember just thinking, my. What have I just seen here? Like, I, I just, I just, I've never, never seen anything like that before in my life. And I was with those tangos as well. Names to move a little bit, um, but yeah, Fowler was 
was always the one for me when I look back is, is the, the like most gifted one. Yeah, and in terms of opponents you came up against, I remember you you telling me previously about you know pre-season tournaments and competitions. Was there, was there a seven-a-side tournament or something? I remember you saying you played in one summer with yeah. involved various big icons from across Europe. You must have come up against some big names and things like that. There was um, there was one where we played and um, we played the. It was like a new format. It was like the, the Amsterdam tournament, and it was it was mid-season, and we we played um, AC Milan and like Maldini played and Edgar Davids and uh, Jesper Blankfist, um, just like just various like legends. Like yeah, that was yeah. the one game I played in. Germany. we actually yeah. got absolutely hammered. To be honest, <laughs> um, yeah, they, they were just they were they were by far the level above us. Um, but yeah, um, like if, if you're talking players who you know have played against in like the league, the one the the, the couple that stand out for me is um, is Thierry Henry. He was he was he was different grade. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was he was re- he was a really good player, and he would he would kind of cause trouble by doing nothing at all. The ball would get switched from like left to right, and Henry would just stand just outside the six yard box, and he just wouldn't move. And players would be running past him and thinking. I, I, I've got to tap my own, but I can't leave him there. No, I ain't in front of goal. So he had that aura about him. And probably the other player that I played with, but I did play against him once, was um, um, Henrik Larsson. Oh, yeah. Played up at Celtic and seen him at close quarters as well. He was probably the, the other, um, the, the, the best forward I'd played with um, besides Fowler. He, he was amazing. But I went on loan to Aberdeen, so I actually played against Henrik. Uh, I think he scored as well. Um, but yeah, there, there was there was um, some decent decent forwards that I had to had to face. Nineteen ninety nine, left Liverpool to sign for Millwall. Yeah. Um, you had five years there. I mean, I think of Millwall was quite an intimidating place for, for football. How was your? Did you have a lot of fond memories of your time there? Yeah, it's probably it's probably me me, me fondest memories and yeah. me, me football career because it's where I was established as a number one and I played the most games there. Um, probably the, the place where I, I spent most time there as well. I mean, when you when you walk into the boardroom to sign your contract, and Theo, you're on your own, and Theo just leans in and says, um, "If you mess me around, mate, I've got people who cut your legs off." <laughs> of which I replied, "If you mess around with me, mate, I've got people to cut your legs off as well." <laughs> um, that was the kind of that was the kind of place Miller was. You know, it was, it was all it was all jovial with yeah. with, with, with with Theo. Do you know what I mean? He, he was a great fella. You know, he was just having a laugh, but. That's the thing I liked about Millwall. I mean, it, it was the, it was the perfect fit for me. We had a really um, we had some really good young players it was like Stephen Reid, Timmy Cale, Paul Eiffel that were coming yeah. through. Neil Harris, who actually had a, a trial at Liverpool um, a season before, so me and him kind of recognised each other when, when I first stepped into the place. Had some some older heads as well. Sean Dice signed on the same time as me. Um, um, Scott Fitzgerald, who played for Wimbledon. Um, so so the blend of the team was really good. And plus as well, just that intimidating kind of factor of Millwall. Yeah. I, 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 I loved it. You know what I mean? It was it was great when teams would come down to you. The fans would be reacting to the teams, to the other, to the other fans. I think it's something which is kind of is, is lacking in, in in football now. Yeah. I mean, I seen something the other day. Um, um, sorry, today on 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 the internet, it was talking about um, United trying to find like um. Oh, handing out song sheets. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like. If it's not organic, <laughs> if it's not organic, it's not on. Yeah. You can't manufacture these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like putting plastic flags on the seats. And... Yeah, and like them clapper things and yeah. stuff. And you know, it, 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 football's unfortunately gone that way. And you know, I think a lot of the Premier League now because because they got the exposure around the world, they want to try and make it really sterile and that. Um, 
And I played I played up and down the country in all different leagues and all that. Millwall is still a place that has got that kind of um, working man's sorry not working man's mentality. A lot of places have got that, but that little bit of aggression where they take it up to the line yeah. of you know of, of, of acceptancy. I think I take it right up there. And obviously, they sometimes overstep that mark. But it's a good place to play because you see it, it, it's a proper atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be manufactured. You know, you know, yeah. there's, there's sometimes, I mean, I think they played Leicester and they had, they had a good run in the cup last season and they played Leicester and one of the Leicester players didn't want to go over to pick the ball up because he felt intimidated <laughs> by the fans. Now, I, for me, I think Millwall fans have done their job there because yeah. they've got that lad kind of rattled. But if you can't walk over to a to a, uh, to a Horden and pick a ball up because you're worried by fans, come on, mate! It's not like it, do you know what I mean. It, it, like you more fool him, but yeah. but that you know rightly or wrongly, that's what I liked about Millwall, and you know still following very 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 fondly now. And after Millwall, Cardiff, Fulham, Leeds, Norwich, Barnsley, Hull, Leicester, Charlton. Scunthorpe, Tranmere, yeah, and then New Zealand and the spell in Malta, wasn't it? Before you yeah. hung up the boots, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I finished. I kind of finished my playing career in Malta, but yeah, um, after after Millwall, yeah, went, went to Cardiff for a year. Then went to then went to Fulham, which was which was fantastic. To be honest, yeah, it was it was a good opportunity because I was I was a, I was a Cardiff wasn't particularly happy there. wasn't going particularly well for me. Um, I'd signed on for an in- with an injury after my last season at Millwall, and it just it just didn't work out. You know, it just didn't work out. It wasn't it wasn't a good fit really. And then I managed to get um, a long deal to Mil- to to Fulham, and I was thirty one at that point. And you know, I'd kind of missed the you know I didn't get any opportunities at Liverpool to play in the Premier League. Like everybody wants to play in the Premier League. Yeah. That, that you know that that's where you want to play. Um, but I had a really successful spell at Millwall in the Championship. And at 31, I thought to myself, the Premier League opportunity was probably beyond me. Do you know what I mean? It, it just was, you know, it wasn't kind of, not, not that it didn't have any aspirations, that I just wasn't kind of, there wasn't, it wasn't an, um, a pathway really. Yeah. And out of the blue, I got a phone call from, from the agents and he just said, look, um, Fulham, what you, what you for, for um, Saturday? And you're starting against Birmingham in the opening season at the Premier League. Right, okay, you know, you've, you've kind of been around about a little bit, but you finally kind of got there to maybe like the holy grail of football, which is the Premier League. So, so that was a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, went there, um, played against Liverpool as well, playing Liverpool, Everton down at the cottage, had a couple of wins, and they actually those those performances um, secured a full time deal at Fulham. So um, it was it was uh, that that was a really fun um, time for me. Didn't play, you know, I, don't know, I think I played about twenty odd games down there. Um, but you get opportunities to come along. So when I play for Leeds, big club. When I play for Norwich, another big club. Yeah. Um, off the back of that, so you know, it's it, it, it's a footballing journey. Yeah, certainly, certainly was. And was the plan always to make that leap into coaching? Was that something that you'd, you'd always kind of yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I've I've got a friend of mine, Tommy Johnson, used to play for um, used to play for Villa and Celtic, mm-hmm. and he was over in Northern Ireland on, on like on the coaching side, and he was badging me for quite a few years, like get your badges, get your badges, yeah. And then yeah, decided to go, decided to um, decided to, like to, to go for it. So I went over there and got some badges. I'm actually in the process of doing my goalkeeping badges now. Um, so yeah, after after Malta, I kind of found to honest with you, I kind of found myself. I got enough to go over there to Malta, and it just didn't really work out. And I thought to myself, if you're playing football in Malta, there's not really anywhere else to go past this. So yeah. luckily enough, in the summer when when I finished there, I I come back and Paul Lynch got in touch. He was a Blackpool in the championship, so he, he said he was after the goalkeeping coach. So 
um, it, it was like there's lots of lads who were kind of fall out of it like when he finished playing so I was really lucky that I got that phone call off NC yeah. um, so I went there and coached there for a year so that was that was great that was, that was good that was a good experience and I know you keep close tabs on events at Liverpool still um, what do you make of the, the current goalkeeping situation in particular like obviously the first half of the season we saw Klopp chopping and changing yeah. between Mignolet and Karius. You know, in the second half of the season he, he made the judgement call you know, Karius is my man the new number yeah. one um, do you think that was was that a, do you think that was the a wise decision to make to, to, to kind of nail his colours to the mass one way or the other yeah, well you've got to you just can't be switching your keepers around one way or the other yeah. like, like, like all the way through the season you just can't do it it's, you need a bit of consistency so you need to one thing he needs to do, he needs to nail his colours to one mass or yeah. the other he had to um, and I think with the with the indecision on um, all things being equal he brought Karius in I mean, you know, I think I think the season before, he's his man, and he's yeah, like, he's yeah. his man. So you know, you know, a couple of seasons he brought he brought him in, and then he got injured in pre-season. So Mingle got his got his shots continuing the team, and then um, maintaining that. Carrish got brought in and had some um, some some bad performances really, um, which kind of kept Mingle in in the number one spot. Um, but you know, maybe something he's seen um, himself, um, um, Klopp. And yeah, he's made Callius his number one, and I think you know with 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 the run of games that that's that's what any goalkeeper needs or any player really. But I think as a goalkeeper more so more than anything else, because you've got no security behind you, yeah. And so you need to be pretty sure about yourself. You need to have that consistency, and you know he seems to be doing you know he seems to be doing better now. Yeah, he he does seem to have made big strides forward, doesn't he? Yeah. Compared to last season, in terms of you know, he looks a much more confident, commanding figure. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is. Um, so you know he's he's finally kind of got you know he's finally got his man in, in, into the team and um, you know and, and he, he does seem to be doing he does seem to be doing like a lot better now you know so hopefully um, they might see now um, what all the hype was over yeah the hype was almost hyped the right way I don't know but like all the fuss was over when he was yeah. in Germany as like you know the, the, the yeah but he was voted second money behind Neuer I think in yeah so people maybe thought they were getting more than they saw last last season when he obviously he struggled initially but yeah. I suppose you know a change in league, the pressure and expectation of being a Liverpool player compared Definitely. to being a Mines player is very different. It is, it is different, and, and there's one thing that, that, that I've, I've, I've said for a long time is, I think if you bring in foreign keepers in, and I think specifically goalkeepers as well, I think the the Premier League, some of them can kind, of, and they've done what it is, some of them can kind of take it on particularly well, but some of them can fail really badly, yeah. and I think it's it, it's just down to the pressure. Teams will bombard you physically. It's a lot different than a lot of other team um, divisions in Europe. You know, Italy and, and Spain, you can't be physical with goalkeepers. Yeah. Germany, probably a little bit more so, but definitely not as much as, as in England. And also as well in these in these um, high level teams in the rest of Europe, when you're kind of winning, generally, you know, once you get maybe a couple of goals against a lesser team, the game's pretty much done. Do yeah, you know what I mean, they just don't want to be getting embarrassed by getting um, shipping like three, four, or five. Whereas in England, it's not the case. You know, you be up against a, a, a Bolton, um, sorry, a Bolton, um, a Bournemouth, sorry, yeah. um, like a West Brom, a Crystal Palace. You know, these teams who are kind of seen as you know in in in, in, the, in the, the lower levels of Premier League football. If you, you, you could be winning two 0 at home with ten minutes to go, they're going to come firing into you all the time. Yeah. So I think that kind of pressure for a goalkeeper, um, unless you've been exposed to it, um, you know, if you're, you know. You're going to find it difficult, and I've found that with a lot of goalkeepers. I mean, like um, Carrier's coming, 
and you know he was he had some like bad games and I, mm. like, the one that had that that's been some like the Bournemouth game yeah. Um, yeah. down at Bournemouth and you know they, they, it was the first time they were in the Premier League they're not, they're not going to give anything up they're going to be fired into it and stuff um, so you know now he's had more exposure maybe a couple of seasons he's got used to it a bit more so you know we might be seeing the, the more comfortable um, carriers do you think he's done enough already to prove to Klopp he doesn't need to go and spend big on a keeper this summer or do you think he needs to deliver over more of an extended period um, I, I, I would say he's done enough now I'd probably say not no I mean like, he's still got you know what, 10 games to go to the yeah. end of the season um, but you know there are rumblings about getting another goalkeeper in um, it, it's Klopp's decision I mean you know the, the summer's going to come and he's going to have a decision to make there does he continue on with, with, with Carriers and then potentially have some wobbles and then the time's gone and then you're stuck with him um, he, he, you know, it's it's it, it, it's um, it's his decision to make. Yeah. I mean, he has made big strides coming forward. Um, who knows what's in Klopp's mind? He, he might be thinking, yeah, really comfortable with him, really comfortable with him. You know, over the last like you know couple of months or so, he's, he's done really well. He hasn't really kind of made um, any any howlers, and like you said, he has looked comfortable. So yeah, you know, if Klopp didn't um, improve the goalkeeping um, stable in in the summer, I wouldn't be surprised because. He's, this is his man he's been after so it's for him to if he's going to go and get anybody else he's got to be a number one he can't be coming in and getting somebody who's kind of be competing again he's yeah. got to come in and get an absolute blow you out the water number one um, so is, is he going to do that probably not I think so I think you'll probably see another season out of Carius and then it's up to the man himself yeah who, who do you like across Europe I mean the various names touted as potential Liverpool goalies like Oblak and, yeah. and Allison. Mm. Obviously, they've even been talk of, of Butland at, at yeah. Stoke, but I think Liverpool have been keen to play down interest in that one. Is yeah. there anyone in particular that, that kind well, of you rate very highly? I well, you know, the, the, I I think the Butland thing. I think we bring Butland in. I think he's going to be coming in at that same level again. Yeah. Um, I've, I've mentioned it like a few times, and I think the man who I think would could push you on a little bit more, I think is um, is Schmeichel. Um, and, and the reasons being, he's he's. Um, like I know he's obviously come from like great pedigree and all that. He's he's you know he's, he plays with Denmark and all that. But all intents and purposes, he's an English lad. He's been, he's been brought up in England. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's used to this kind of football. He's been you know I think he started at Man City. You know he played Premier League football probably about 11, 12 years ago for Man City when he was about eighteen or so. Um, so he's used to it. He's, he's basically a homegrown player. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's and the thing that people don't kind of realise is he's um, he's won the league. He, yeah. he's a league winner with a really unfancied side um, and people can talk about oh teams the other big teams in transition and they were kind of letting themselves down all that it doesn't matter over the case of four, over the the, um, the the 40 odd games they come out top and there's a lot of pressure on, on, on them lads there do you know what I mean on, on Leicester because they're always kind of you know they're always the underdog they're always going to get so bad they're always going to get reeled in they're going to get blasted out the water by certain teams but they, they never did um, his distribution's brilliant I think he's got that nice little blend of arrogance stroke confidence about him he's um, you know he's, he's he's definitely not the tallest but he doesn't let it affect him when he's come for crosses and things he's a very confident lad um, I, I just think he, I just think he'd be a really good suit I think he'd be a really good fit yeah um, and you know and, and you know it might be the time for him to, you know to come out Leicester because they did have that like you know stratospheric kind of effort and they, they, they clinched the league title um, are they going to do it again no probably not no, we're not saying it's, you know it's impossible but probably not um, and it might be the time for him to step um, somebody to come in and, and try and snatch him and 
Yeah, I, 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 for me personally, I just think I just think he'd be the one. Like I don't remember, but his distribution is, is is brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'd, he'd be the man for me. Perfect. Just just finally, I guess you'll be having a bit of time off now to spend with with the family and stuff, and then what's what's next? Have you got any anything else lined up? Um, not at the moment. Like um, just just landed back from India literally twenty four hours ago. Spoke to John Gregory over there. He's kind of he's signed on for another year. He's uh, waiting to see what happens with budgets and stuff, um, but probably just waiting for a phone call of 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 John really. But yeah, just just gonna kind of um, just, just just kick back for a little bit and, and just kind of put my feet up and, and, and just kind of chill out with the family a little bit because you know it's like you know, we're in the middle of March now, yeah. so you're not really going to get any any work anywhere else. Um, so yeah, you know it's an unusual one to be kind of to for your season to finish this early on in our normal season. Um, you know, it's usually kind of the middle of May or so, or early May. So yeah, you know, just just take time out and, and, and enjoy spending some time with the family. Brilliant. Well, Tony, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, and good luck with everything going forward. Thank you very much. Cheers. Like that one.